How many of you love the word of the Lord? Amen. We are here to be with God and to hear from his word. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. We're in a series called God's Hall of Fame. If you go through Hebrews 11, you'll see some different testimonies and stories of heroes in the, in the Bible. I always loved watching Bible cartoons growing up. I was a big Superbook fan myself. Anyone ever watch Superbook growing up? Yeah, about five, six of you, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, I loved Superbook, and then there was uh, Salty. Anyone love Salty? Yeah, some of those. Bible Man, anyone watch Bible Man? You guys ever watch Christian TV's kids, y'all? Y'all, yeah? Veggie Tales, anybody watch Veggie Tales? Oh, okay. Thank God for VeggieTales, y'all be a bunch of pagans out there, is what it sounds like. Sheesh. Anyway. Hebrews chapter 11, a bunch of characters from God's Word, testimonies. They were my heroes growing up as a kid. And Moses in particular, which we're going to talk about today, always resonated with me in a great way. And I think because God had called him to be a deliverer. And I felt the Word of the Lord come upon me this week to talk to you today, because in this house and watching on the Internet, there are a bunch of deliverers in this room. Can I hear an amen on that? There are a bunch of deliverers in this room. This generation is crying out for a Moses generation, people that will help bring them out of captivity. See, their chains have been, have been broken off. The prison doors have been set open, but they're still stuck in prison. And they need people like you to show them the way out, people like you to bring them to their promised land. Amen? And as God's been speaking to us throughout this year, he's changing the course of the river. This year is not about us. It's about God using you to help someone else. Amen? And we're always so focused on us getting out of our prison or us getting away from our chains. Or our, I'm telling you, my friend, you have been set free. He who the Son has set free, you are free indeed. Now it's time to spend some energy setting someone else free, helping them step into their freedom. Oh, and by the way, you reap what you sow. So it's not like you're ignoring your future freedom, but you're sowing even more into your future freedom. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, just to give you some context, at the end of that historical chapter of God's uh, Hall of Fame kind of champions, Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Basically, it was referring to all those individuals that went before, all those individuals that are in heaven already that finished their race, finished their course, they kept the faith. They're surrounding us in heaven, big crowd of witnesses. They're witnessing you. They're watching you. The race is in your hands now. They've passed the baton to this generation. They are cheering you on. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God has set a race before you and me. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. I want to talk to you about Moses. Moses. Anyone ever watch the old Ten Commandments movies? Old Ten Commandments movie, yeah, with Charlton Heston? That was my favorite. It's like three and a half hours long. It's awesome. <laughs> Graphics were terrible, but it was awesome. I used to watch it, I think, every Easter they would play it. It was one of the connection points in Easter. And then they came out with Prince of Egypt back in the 90s. Anyone ever seen the Prince of Egypt? Yeah? Prince of Egypt. There's all these different stories and movies that we've seen about Moses. I always loved God's voice in the burning bush in the Charlton Heston's version. It was like, Moses. I feel like God sounds like that. I, in the Prince of Egypt version, his voice was so modern. I was like, no, I don't want a voice like that. I want God's voice to sound like this. It sounds powerful. I'll be really disappointed if I go to heaven one day and God's voice is like really high. I don't feel like that is in theological context to my expectation. You can find the story of Moses, Exodus chapter 1, chapters 1 through 4. Let me just give you kind of an overview, like a flyby of his life, and I'm going to teach you into his life. In Exodus chapter 1 through 4, those four chapters, I'm not going to read them all to you today, um, but I want you to write it down in your notes so you'll read them later this week and get some good context. Too many times we assume we know everything about these characters. We're like, oh, Moses, I've seen him in movies, I've heard about him. 
God continues to speak to me every time I read with my own eyes in these chapters. I encourage you to go back to Exodus chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. That's the second book of the Bible, if you're new to your Bible. And let's learn about Moses. Let's read through his life. But here's some highlights. Israel, God's people, were in Egypt for about 430 years. God had prophesied that to Abraham. Uh, Israel is Abraham's descendants. We've talked about Abraham earlier. He told them, your descendants are going to go into captivity. They're going to be in this Egypt uh, for about 430 years, and then God was going to bring them out with a mighty hand. So we kind of, that's where, that's where Exodus kind of 1 begins. Um, they become slaves while they were there. When they first arrived in Egypt, they were welcomed. They were prospered underneath Joseph. Uh, Maria did an amazing job last week speaking on Joseph. And they prospered in the land. And the Bible says, then there arose a pharaoh. See, after Joseph died and that pharaoh died and then some future changes of political power had happened, that a current pharaoh, that would be the king of Egypt, came up and he did not care about the God of the, of the Israelites. He did not care about Joseph. He didn't know anything about that stuff. And he put the Israelites into slavery, into bondage. And that's kind of where we pick up in Exodus chapter 1. In that season, when the fullness of time and it was time for them to be delivered had come, a deliverer was born. A deliverer was born, and it was Moses. Now, Pharaoh started getting this panic and this fear was inside of him that the Israelites would rise up and try to get out of slavery. And so he spoke a law or an edict that all these newborn baby boys of the Israelites would be thrown into the Nile and, and killed. And so similarly to the coming of Jesus in the New Testament, uh, Herod in the New Testament, when he heard that a deliverer had come, because the wise men had come and let him know, Herod pronounced an edict at that time that all the babies two and under would be killed. There was a shadow and a type there of the coming of Christ. And so there was this mass killing of all these babies, and Moses' parents hid him for as long as they could, and then they put him in a basket, and they sent him adrift on the Nile and just trusted the Lord to take care of him. And that little basket made its way to one of Pharaoh's family members, I believe it was his daughter, and she took the basket, and she chose to raise that little baby in Pharaoh's house, okay? So Moses was raised in the king's own house by the king's daughter. That's an important thought. You can write this down in your notes because I'm going to come back to some of these illustrations for you. Some of you were raised in ungodly homes. You were raised in systems to understand things in the world, certain things in its economy, its politics, the way it is run. Do you know God used Moses being raised in a heathen household? He used that knowledge and he used some of that experience when Moses would later become the deliverer of God's people. Some of you may wonder, why wasn't I born into a godly household? Why wasn't I born into a, a place that knew all these things? And I'm just here to tell you that God won't waste a thing. That your history, your testimony, even some of the negative things that you grew up in or learned or some of the ways of this world, God will give you discernment on how one day that will be used to help set other people free. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. Moses grows up and he sees his people one day as Moses is getting older. He had this deliverer spirit on the inside. Moses, he, he had a destiny inside of him and he knew it was there. And as he's growing up, there's this unsettledness, this, un this restlessness, and he, and he sees an Egyptian beating one of his people. And so he then steps in and he tries to resolve it in his own understanding. He tries to resolve it in his own thought process, in his own ways. Maybe he stepped out of God's timing. He stepped out of possibly God's way of doing things, whatever it was. And then in killing the Egyptian, Moses gets discovered in that moment and there's opposition that comes against him and then he flees Egypt and goes off into the desert, okay? And so in that moment, he, he grows up and he sees his people suffering and he attempts to rescue them in his own timing and in his own strength. I'm gonna come back to some of these points. But some of you deliverers in this room, you might have stepped out of a timing in a past season and you didn't see what you thought you were supposed to see, but you knew in your heart that God had called you to certain things. You understand, in the kingdom of God, there are certain times and certain seasons. 
And even if, even if you stepped out of God's timing, or even if you tried to do it in your own strength and you messed it up, you are still called, and that calling is on your life, that deliverer anointing is on you for a reason and it didn't get taken away from you, God hasn't forgotten you, he's not rejecting you, and he's still gonna get you into that destiny, into that anointing that's on your life. Amen? And let's be honest, sometimes you can see throughout scripture many times that God speaks the end from the beginning, and there's times that we sense and get excited about something God is doing, and we in the flesh step out to do it. You see it consistently in Scripture. Jo- Joseph did it. You heard Joseph last week where he starts, you know, blabbing about his calling that his brothers are going to worship him one day. <laughs> like, no brother. Why, why are we so like that with our brothers and sisters? You know what I mean? Like, go brag to them. They're going to bow down to you one day. Like, who thinks that's going to be a good, good conversation when you're done? your older brothers and sisters, but you can even see it with Peter trying to set, you know, protect Jesus, and he's cutting off a slave's ear. You see it in so many places where people just get ahead of it. God's put an anointing on you. There's a passion in you. You you understand some things, but you don't understand all things because we only see through a glass dimly on this side of eternity, right? And God knows these things. God knows that you're trying to work it out and figure it out, but praise God, he's patient. He's patient with us. He's not patient like you and I. He's patient in his perfect patience. Our patience runs out. He is eternally patient. He, he sees the end from the beginning, and he even saw Moses kind of stepping out of timing, but he knew how to get him back. He knew when he was going to get him back, and I just continue to speak that over you, that if you didn't see that in the past, or you've been discouraged thinking you stepped too soon, you blew it, you, you somehow you, you caused something that just disqualifies you from your anointing and for what God's called you to do, I'm here to break that lie over you today and to show you through the life of Moses that you're still anointed, the plan has not changed, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You are still called to be a deliverer. Amen. There's still breath in your lungs, and God isn't finished with you yet. Amen. Moses flees to the desert for 40 years. God calls him back to rescue the children of Israel out of Egypt. Write this verse down. I want to awaken this deliverer anointing in you today. Are you ready to awaken this deliverer anointing in you? Acts chapter 10, 38. How many of you know that you've been, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. You've been, I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. Praise God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Like Jesus, Acts chapter 10, 38, it gives us why we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and why I can confidently say over you, you are a deliverer. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When you were baptized with the Holy Spirit in power, you were baptized not to feel good, but to do good. Someone say amen. Now, praise God, the the touch of the Holy Spirit does make us dance, does make us shout, and I even get a couple Holy Spirit goosebumps every once in a while, and that's wonderful. But whether I feel anything or I don't feel anything, I am filled I am anointed, I am baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. Don't forget the power. Sometimes we focus on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, but you forget you've not only been given the ability to produce great spiritual fruit of character, but you are given the Holy Spirit to go do something. The Holy Spirit and power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1, 8. Amen. And so you have been empowered to do good, to heal those oppressed of the devil, in the devil's grips, in the devil's bondage, being oppressed, pushed down by the devil. You are the body of Christ. I preached that a few weeks ago. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, and he's in you, not just to get you to heaven, not just to perfect you in your spiritual character. He's in you to go help people who are still underneath the oppression of the devil. Like the slaves of Israel in Egypt under Pharaoh's foot, you are anointed to go and bring them out of captivity. Amen. God uses human beings 
to do this. We think, God, go save them. God says, I have put the spirit in you. I have put the word in your mouth. You go speak. You go present those gifts into their lives, and I will save them, but I will send you. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. This is Jesus speaking of himself, but I believe the same voice tone, the same calling is upon all of us who've received the Holy Spirit of God into our lives. Jesus is kind of letting people know who he is and why he's there. It's, it's kind of the beginning time of his ministry, and they gave him a book to read, the book of Isaiah. He stood up in the temple to read, and this is the verse he found in the scriptures, and he was saying, this is why I've come. Let me just say this again. This is why Jesus came. Who's the body of Christ? Raise your hand if you're the body of Christ. The same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. Raise your hand if that's you. The same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. You did not receive a different Holy Spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus says, this is why I've come, and this is why I'm filled with the Spirit, and now you're his body, and he's the head of the church, which is his body, and he's filled you with the same spirit, then this is why you have come. This is why you exist on the earth. Can you see this? Stop separating yourself from Jesus now. Stop separating your call from Jesus, your significance from Jesus. You are in Christ. Amen. You say, well, I'm just a grandma. You're a grandma in Christ. You're not just a grandma. You're the full measure, the full stature of Christ, grandma. You're not a mere mortal. Amen. You're super grandma. Come on. Anointed grandma. Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Can you start to own that, church? Can you start to declare that? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to say that. Ready? Go. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, and that is the spirit flowing out of you. Not down from heaven, but from your belly, from you, from you. Change the course of the river. You bring the river. You bring the move of God. You bring the freedom. You bring the deliverance. You bring the answers with you. They're not coming from the sky. They're coming from your belly. They're coming from your soul. They're coming from your spirit man. Amen. Your spirit person on the inside. Amen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That's you. You're fulfilling and continuing the mission of Jesus. Preaching release. Captives, captives, the prison doors have been made open. Captives, the chains are removed. Captives, the devil is defeated. He has been spoiled. His, his weapons have been removed and taken from him. Amen. Come on out of prison. Come into a life of freedom. Come into a life of purpose. Come into eternal life. Come into a fullness of life. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set it free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I am looking at a room who is the body of Christ. I am looking at a room who is baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. I am looking at a room that is continuing the deliverance ministry of Jesus. You are bringing people out of captivity. You are bringing people out of sin. You are bringing people out of uh, Satan's dominion. You're bringing people out of darkness and translating them into the kingdom of light. You are continuing the work of the Lord. Amen. Now, let's talk about a few differences in Hall of Fame believers. Some Hall of Fame believers grew up their whole lives trusting God. You were born into a godly home. You were born into a home that taught you the ways of the Lord from a young age. And I think that will one day, I pray one day, that would be the testimony of all people. I would love that. Wouldn't that be, God, wouldn't that be awesome if every young person could grow up in a godly home? That should be our hope. That should be our goal. And some deliverers, God raised them in a very godly home. 
I was raised in a home. They were casual Christians when I was, you know, first came into the home. We went to church Christmas and Easter and things like that. One day, my mom and dad made a deal with God. God, if you get us this specific house, we'll start going to church. How many ever made a deal with God? Don't raise your hand, but you made a deal with God. That God, if you do this for me, I'll start going to church. God, if I get out of this, you know, prison. God, if I get out of this hospital bed. God, if you let me live, I'll do this. And you know what's so cool is God, God does kind of work with some of that stuff. My parents still start going to church, but as a young kid, I was about 10, 11 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why I love Pastor Danny and the family ministry, because I was a young person that God touched my life. God came into my life, and I never walked off the path. I never walked off the path. I didn't have this backstory of drugs and gangs and, you know, gun running and whatever. I didn't have any of that. And I thought, actually, when I was in junior high, I went to one of my teachers, and I actually said, can God use me? I was in a Christian school, and she was my Bible teacher. I said, can God use me? And she said, what do you mean? You love the Lord. I said, I know I love the Lord. I said, but I don't have a backstory. I don't have this, this horrible life that Jesus brought me out of. I've just loved him all the days of my life. And she said, Kevin, God can use you. That is the story that he wants you to have. That's something that's beautiful in that. And then one day I realized that Jesus didn't have this terrible backstory either. Jesus didn't have to be a prostitute to minister to prostitutes. He didn't have to be, you know, a sinner to, to minister to sinners. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to encourage some of you today who maybe you were like me as a little kid and you thought, well, God can't use me because I don't have this significant testimony. Your testimony is the same as all testimonies. We all needed Jesus. Doesn't matter if you have little sin, big sin, we're all sinners before God. Amen. And we were all on our way to hell, and Jesus came in by his grace, and he saved our lives. Amen. We're all grateful to that. You know, David would have been similar. He's a deliverer-type spirit as well. David, he grew up loving Jesus. He was singing psalms to God out in the field, and yet God used him to be a mighty king. So my friend, I want to encourage you, and parents, I want to encourage you, get your kids in kids' ministry. Amen. And go workers, go work in kids' ministry. Amen. And God can call the next generation of world changers out of kids' ministry and protect them from terrible backstories and trauma. But not all of God's Hall of Famers had this, you know, good childhood. There was a lot of those that were all kinds of thieves and sinners and prostitutes and people who ran from God and murderers, and, and God used them too. Amen. Oh, don't you love that? You can see throughout Scripture where God used people that walk with Him childhood, and God uses people who ran away from Him, who rebelled Him, who knew nothing about Him, who were completely evil and wicked in their hearts, and God saves them, and God redeems them, and all of us get to share in the same reward at the end of the story. Whether you had this, this, this journey that seemingly was, was like a godly story, or if you have this dark past, Jesus takes us all. Jesus can use us all. Amen. Don't disqualify yourself by saying, I didn't have that story like Pastor Kevin. My story was you know, full of sexual immorality or full of drug addiction and abuse. God makes stuff out of our lives that is amazing. That is amazing. And I just want you to see that there's all kinds of deliverers in this room, and the only thing that qualifies us to be a deliverer is Jesus. It's not your perfection or this beautiful life because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's not limited because of a dark backstory. Moses was one of these that kind of resisted God. He had this journey where God had to convince him that he could be used. Paul in the New Testament was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute in the Old Testament, and God used her to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. Do you hear what I just said? Rahab was a prostitute, and God used her to deliver the nation of Israel as well. And through her line came Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So let's talk a little bit about some of these individuals that needed some convincing to follow God, obey God. Abraham, when God called him, he immediately said, yeah, I'll go. 
Praise God, some of you in the room, the moment God called you to be a deliverer, the moment God called you into ministry, because you're all in the ministry. Come on, church. We are all in the ministry. We all have different roles, we're all different parts of the body. We are all in the ministry of Jesus. Abraham immediately said, yes, I'll go. Moses was a little slow to get in the game. Maybe that's where you are today. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I want you to see that this mighty man Moses struggled a little bit to get started. And maybe some of you, you've been resisting the call of God on your life. You've been resisting letting God put you in the game. You've been resisting getting started to bring other people into freedom. And you have all these excuses and all these reasons And God is sitting there still reaching out to you because he knows what he's put on the inside of you. He knows the destiny that's upon your life. And he's refusing to let you go, and he's not going to leave you alone because he has called you. Isn't he good? Isn't God good like that? He's not going to leave you alone. He keeps pursuing you to go be and pushing you into your destiny, pushing you into what he's called you to do. Exodus chapter 3, have you found it in your Bibles? We'll just start here at verse 1. Moses is in the wilderness now. He ran away from Egypt. He's been out there in the wilderness for 40 years. This is about 40 years after he stepped out of God's timing and plan. He's been shepherding. He got married, had two sons. He's been out in the back end of the desert being a shepherd, kind of chilling. And you know, you can get comfortable sometimes, especially you ran away and you're kind of hidden out here. You can begin to kind of think you're calling you missed it, it's in the past, you know, it's too late, and you kind of get comfortable in this new season that you're in. You know, I'll just take, you know what, I had this deliverer thing in my heart when I was a young person, didn't seem to go anywhere, and now here I am older in life, and you know, I've got my job, I've got my kids, and things are pretty peaceful around here, and then God comes back and he says, I haven't forgot the call in your life. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've gotten a little comfortable in this season, kind of thinking, well, I was kind of zealous in my youth. You know, I I was passionate then, and, you know, nothing really came of it. And I've just kind of made a life for myself outside of that calling. My friends, God does not forget your calling. (laughs) And even though you are comfortable in whatever this is, it's not the fullness of what God has destined you to do. And God is not okay with just you being okay. He wants you to be great. Amen. He wants you to accomplish great things. He has plans and purposes for your life. Amen. And this life isn't just about you being comfy. You have people who need you. That's what I want you to see. Like in what we're about to read, God was making Moses uncomfortable in his comfort. He was about to disrupt his comfort. Amen. But here's why. It wasn't just to bother Moses, and it wasn't just to fulfill a promise to Moses or a stirring or a calling in Moses. It's because there are other people on the other side that are waiting for that deliverer that was called to them to bring them out of captivity. God, I'm happy over here. I'm comfortable over here. But there are people that you have been appointed to reach. There are people that are calling out to God, crying out to God for deliverance, and so God is disrupting your comfort because of them. You forget how impactful and how meaningful your life is to this world around you. We forget that. We think it doesn't matter if we live or die. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Doesn't matter if we show up or don't show up. Yes, it does. There are giftings and callings and purposes on your life. You matter. God didn't accidentally put you in this planet for such a time as this. It's not a little thing that you just don't show up for your calling. God designed you to be here. God brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. He baptized you in his Holy Spirit for such a time as this. Your journey has developed you in certain characteristics and mindsets and attitudes. You are perfectly equipped and designed to do some things, and it's not a little thing that we don't show up for the call of God on our life. Are you hearing me? Because it's not just about you being happy. It's about people who need the deliverer that's on the inside of you. So one day, just one random day, Moses is out there all happy and content in the back end of the desert. 
One day, Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared at it in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. So Moses goes in, and out of that bush, God begins to remind him of his calling. God begins to speak to him. If you go down here to verse 9, God begins to tell him that he's been listening to the cries of the people. And now it's time, Moses, now it's time. Look, he says, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Listen, God is saying, I've heard the people crying out. I've seen their pain, so I send you. Moses was a solution to those people's problems. Did you see that? People were crying out. There's a need. There's a lack in this area. We're in bondage. We're in slavery. There's darkness in this area. They're crying out to God. So God found a person and said, I'm sending you with my power to go meet that need. Do you see this? People are, I don't think like you're seeing this. Listen. People are crying out because there's problems. There's problems in the school system. Let's just use that as an example. People are crying out, God, there's problems in our school system. God, what are we gonna do? Our kids are not growing and learning. They're fighting, they're, they're going off into all kinds of craziness. God, there's a problem, God, there's a problem. So then God comes to one of us. God doesn't just come down out of heaven and go boink and fix all the problems in the school system. What does he do? He raises up deliverers. He raises up men and women filled with the Spirit of God who can lay hold of the mind of Christ, who will say, here am I, send me. God comes to you, gets your attention, maybe in a burning bush moment, out in the back of the desert somewhere, and he says, I'm calling you back in the game. And I'm gonna put the power and the solution to the problem in your mouth. I'm going to be with you, but you've got to go. You've got to go. <laughs> We're like, God, go fix it. God, go fix it. And God says, I am going through you. I am going through you. Amen. How many of you will raise your hand by faith, even if you don't feel perfect, and say, here am I, send me? Because you know what? None of us are perfect. Here am I, send me. So God says, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Verse 11, underline this in your Bible. There's a couple of these. But Moses protested to God, who am I? Do you feel like that? Where you protest to God and you're like, God, what? who am I? Who, you've got the wrong guy. You have got the wrong girl. You don't, do you know my past? Do you know how I stepped out of timing? I tried to do it before, and it didn't work. And God knows exactly. You know what's so funny is how we feel like we're telling God something he didn't know. Like we're helping him out. He's like, oh, that was you. Totally forgot. That was like 40 years ago, you know what I mean, man? Totally spaced the fact that you blew it. No, God knew. He knew. Come on. He knows you more than you know you. And he even knows the real motive of why you stepped out of alignment, not the one you tried to say. But Mo Moses protested God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. That's your answer. Because it's you got to show up, God's going to show out. You see what I'm saying? You show up, and God's the one that's going to show out. But he's going to, he has, you need to be there in the middle of the people, where they need you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, we will worship God at this very mountain. Verse 13, but Moses protested. Isn't this funny? Moses protested the first time. God says, I will be with you. And he tells him, hey, you're going to come back to this mountain. I've got it solved, man. Don't worry about it. And Moses protests a second time. Who are you talking to, Moses? the creator of heaven and earth, and you're sitting here pushing back on the call of God on your life, pushing back, saying, I don't want to leave the desert. I'm not the right guy. I missed it. 
God, do you know who you're asking? I'm kind of comfortable here in the desert. This is kind of a good thing I've got going on here. Moses protested his calling. I love this story of Moses, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, because unlike Abraham that said yes immediately, I'll leave my family and I'll go start into a land you'll show me, Moses did not immediately say yes to the call. Do you see the difference? God is sitting there reasoning with him, trying to persuade him to get back into the calling. But Moses protested, if I go to the people, sorry, I flipped it over, of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? And God replied, I am who I am. And God begins to reveal his name to him and his eternal being and power to him. And then in verse 16, he tells him again, go. Go, again, he tells him again, go. Go down to chapter uh, four, please, if you would. Verse one, but Moses protested again. Did you know that he protested this many times? Some of you are really good in the Bible. You knew this already. Some of you, you're seeing a new side of Moses. You're like, wow, Moses is way more carnal than I thought he was. No, he's just like you and me. Every excuse, Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, Lord, then the Lord never appeared to you. Then the Lord asked them, what is in your hand? And he gives them a sign and he gives them a wonder. Go to verse 10 in chapter 4. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, I am not very good with words. He's trying to give God now another excuse. He's saying, okay, you're going to give me all this power and stuff, but I am not good with words. I stutter. I have a stuttering problem. I have a speech impediment. He says, he pleaded with the Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not good now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Here's Moses looking at God saying, here's something you didn't think about. Here's a reason why I can't do it. Take this one, God. What are you going to do with this little cherry I'm about to give you? I don't know how to talk. Huh? You're going to send me to Pharaoh. You're going to send me to Egypt, and I can't even put words together. I can't stand. Did, what are you going to do with that one? And who knows what you might be saying to God, or what my excuses might be to God. And again, the Lord asked him, who makes a person's mouth? He's like, I can make your mouth. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! With an exclamation point. Stop stalling. Stop making excuses. Stop talking down about yourself. Maybe you're like, well, I wouldn't tell God I don't stutter, but you may say to God you're not good enough at something. You may have some other disqualification about your physical appearance, about your talents. You speak down about yourself to God. God already knows how to use us. Amen? Now go. I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you what to say. Verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. I had no idea until this last week when I was preparing this how many times Moses told God he missed it. God doesn't miss it. We miss it. If he's speaking to you, he's already sorted it. He's already solved it. He's already figured it out. He came to you knowing what you're capable of and not capable of. He knows your backstory. He knows your insecurities. He knows your mistakes. And he still called you. And he's still sending you. Amen. And so he ends up allowing Moses' brother Aaron to get involved, but he finally gets Moses going. In some ways, that's humorous to hear all those things from Moses, but in another way, it's really freeing, isn't it? Yes. To know that many of us have been pushing against our calling. We've been making excuses for our calling. We have all these insecurities and reasons of why God needs to send somebody else, and God keeps coming after you. God keeps coming after you. You are one of his deliverers in the earth. Amen. Deliverers, say what? Deliverers? There you go. Deliverers, say what? I'm having way more fun delivering this than you are responding. Deliverers, say what? There you go. Deliverers, number one, God never forgets the call on your life. Deliverers, God knows where to find you even if you run. Isn't that good? Yes. 
Deliverers, your calling is not always convenient. It will disrupt you. Your calling is not convenient. It will disrupt you. It disrupted Moses' comfort in the backside of the desert. Deliverers, there are people crying out to God for deliverance, and you are his solution. You need to see the people on the other side of your call. Your calling is not just about you. Deliverers, your life is not your own. I need to bring this back today. I'm gonna bring this, listen. Got about five minutes. Please focus in, right? Try not to leave if you don't have to. If you have to, understand. Listen. There is a selfishness coming into this world, and it's a weapon of the enemy, and we need to become aware of it. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. For I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And this life I live in the flesh, I will now live by the faith of the Son of God. You don't belong to you anymore. I was in a barber shop about a month ago, and I was overhearing somebody just talk to their barber, and it's fine. I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but I was totally eavesdropping. <laughs> and he told the lady that was cutting his hair, he said, he goes, you know what the best thing I can do for my family? This is what he said. I am quoting this person. The best thing I can do for my family is to be selfish. That's what he said. But here's the thing. Don't, don't be too surprised because we've all heard that in one way or another. And so he said, I need to take care of me. I need to focus on me. And when I focus on me, I have more bandwidth for them. And there's some truth in that. I don't deny that. There's the whole idea of, like, if you need oxygen, like when you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you help somebody next to you, I believe that to be true. You do need to take a Sabbath. You do need to make sure that there is some sort of self-care in your life. You need to take care of your health. You need to sleep well. Come on now. You need to go on family vacation, spend time with your kids and all that stuff, but please do not adopt the mentality that selfishness is what your life is about. Let's not start calling bad good and good bad. There is a disruption of the convenient in the call of God over our lives. There is a sacrifice that still happens as deliverers of laying down our own self-interest for the sake of those that God has called us to. Do you hear me, church? I am not saying that you shouldn't take care of you. If you think I'm saying that, you're missing it. But there's a subtle thing happening in our country, happening in the church, where if we're not careful, we're all going to be so full of taking care of us that no one's taking care of the call. No one's taking care of those that are still lost, those that are still in bondage, those that need you to be uncomfortable, need us to pray when we don't feel like praying, need us to sacrifice finance into missionaries when we could use that money for other things. Are you understanding? There is still a level of self-denial, of sacrifice, of laying your rights, laying your life down. Are you understanding? There's still a part of this in Christianity. Amen. Now, go on family vacations. Be with your children. Be blessed. Be happy. Do that. Please do not disrupt those good principles. Those, those are, in the Bible, there's plenty of festivals and feasts and breaks and refreshing and Sabbaths that God gives us. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this mindset that can come in. Deliverers won't deliver other people if they're not willing to sacrifice because people are desperate and they don't always call you at the most favorable time of day or they don't ask if they can fit into your schedule all the time. You understand emergencies happen and things happen and ministry happens sometimes where you can't make it all perfect. But it's okay because our life is not our own. Amen? Got real quiet. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought for a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Israel was not delivered overnight. Moses' first attempts seemed to fail and actually seemed like things got worse. Listen to something real quick because I think this will help some of you when you're trying to help people and you're stepping into your calling. Exodus chapter 5, 22 through 23. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, 
Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Have you ever begun a ministry or gotten involved in helping other people and things seemingly got worse before they got better? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. That's, that can happen in deliverance ministry where you start the process of the call of God, you start the process of doing what God has told you to do, and it doesn't look like everything just comes together like this, but that's okay. God is faithful. He's gonna bring you through the end. Don't let the middle of the journey and things that look like they're getting worse before they get better stop you, deliverers. You keep doing what God's called you to do. Sometimes it gets messier before it gets better. Sometimes it gets messier before it gets better. Moses even had the idea, God, you're not even doing what you said. You called me to deliver. Moses was bold, man. God, you sent me to deliver these people. It's gotten worse, and you're not doing anything. And the truth is God was just setting them up for the greatest deliverance the world had ever seen. When you accuse God of not doing anything, here's what's going to happen. I guarantee it. A year, a couple years later, you're going to look back and you're going to go, God, I had no idea what I was talking about. You were totally working that whole time. You were totally moving things into your perfect plan that entire time. You never slumbered. You never slept. And you did everything that you said. I just couldn't see it. I heard someone say this one time. He said, if it's taking longer than you thought, it's probably bigger than you imagined. If it's taking longer than you thought, it's probably bigger than you imagined. I'm gonna close there. There is no way I'm gonna get through the rest of these notes. But they're on the app, and they're on the website. I bring you through how God used Moses. Why was it taking so long, Pastor Kevin? What was going on behind the scenes? If I would've had time, I would've explained to you how every time Moses thought nothing good was happening, God was building the testimony. A testimony that is now so great that thousands of years later, we're still preaching the testimony of the Exodus. Remember what I said? If it's not happening as fast as you thought, it's probably bigger than you imagined. Do you see that? That whole time Moses thought it was getting worse, the testimony was just getting better. And every one of the plagues that God sent to Egypt was a judgment against one of the gods of Egypt. I actually have a chart, a graph for you in the bottom of the app notes or on the website notes. There's a whole graph that shows you how this plague is addressing this God of Egypt. This plague is addressing this God of Egypt. My friends, deliverers need to realize God is working this thing out. It, don't worry about how long it's taking. He's building the testimony. Don't worry about the resistance. He's building the testimony. Don't worry about the opposition. He's building the testimony. He wouldn't have sent you if he wasn't going to finish what he said he was going to finish. Yes. Amen. Amen. The big question is, will you go? So why don't you stand up and let's close in a word of prayer. Will you go? Will you stop making excuses? Will you stop resisting God? Will you stop pushing against the call of God on your life? But God's grace is still reaching out. God's grace is still reaching out to you saying, I'm not going to let you take your calling lightly. I'm not going to let you run away from my plan for your life, my purpose for your life. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. Would you put your hands over your heart? And if you're willing, open your heart up to the call of God in your life. And I'm going to pray God show it to you. Ready? Heavenly Father, right now, as we have our hands over our heart right now, and even if we're watching online, we're standing up in our living rooms, we're standing up in our kitchens. Lord, we put our hand over our heart, we say, God, here am I, save me. God, we're saying, okay, put us back in the game. God, we're saying that we're willing to go, we're willing to be used by you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, those that are crying out in our world that need help that are oppressed, that need freedom. And God, give us the words. You'll go with us, you'll give us the words. Like Moses, who didn't even think he could speak, you gave him the words, and signs were following. And God, I pray for all of these deliverers in this room, that you give us the words, and signs would follow. And that God, you'd use us to find people that we've been called to, and God, to bring them up out of captivity, to bring them up out of death, into life, bring them up out of addiction and bondage, into freedom. 
God, use us. We give you freedom in our lives. We say yes to the calling. We say yes to the calling. And God, if we've been in the middle of a divine work and it just seems like it's taken a long time and it just seems like there's all kind of opposition and we wonder whether or not you're even doing anything, Lord, we declare right now that we know you will be faithful to do what you said you were gonna do. Lord, we will stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We give you thanks, we give you praise, we say yes to the calling. I thank you for this house of deliverers. Send us into the city, we pray, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Give God praise, would you? Amen. All right. Now, if you would, please, I need just two minutes. If you would try to just remain stationary for two minutes. So I want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus into their, their heart. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we all need a Savior. The wages, penalties of our sin is death, that separation from God, even hell. The Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible then says how? All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord to save you. So with all your heads bowed and eyes closed, today if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, be forgiven of your sins and make him your Lord and Savior, when I count to three, just put your hand in the air. We'll pray for you right where you are. Or you might say, Pastor Kevin, I've walked away from God. I'm not where I should be, and I'd like to recommit myself 100% to Jesus. When I count to three, if that's you, would you please raise your hand as well, and we'll pray for all of you. All right. When I count to three, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to recommit 100%, when I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? There's a hand right there. Thank you, sir. Put your hand up so I can see it. Put your hand up. So second hand back there. Awesome. Third. Anybody else? Put it up. This is a big deal. This is eternity, everybody. We're going to take a minute. Anybody else? Four. Right there. I see that one. Five. Six, seven. Awesome. And there may be more. Amen. Let's all pray together, would you? All of us bow our heads. Let's pray together. Repeat this prayer after me so no one's praying by themselves. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those seven? Praise God. There may be more. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.